I'm Kyle Bushland, and you're listening to NIS Voices, where we bring you inspiring stories about learning, community, news, and more from Nanjing International School. We're back with Cassin Bratton, our Director of Learning here at NIS. As we move ever closer to the end of the school year, learning evaluations and diagnostics take place, but we're anything but a teach-to-the-test school. We're an inclusive school. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I think the idea of teach to a test really puts a lot of pressure on the test. If you're a school or a system that is going to prepare students for a test, then you are limiting students to the knowledge that might appear on that assessment. So it better be the perfect assessment. And the problem is there's no such thing as a perfect assessment. So for us, it's much more about our holistic curriculum. It's about the grade level standards that we embed into our units and rich internal assessment data. So that includes things like, you know, traditional tests, quizzes, projects, papers. It also includes things like in our early years, you know, using documentation and conversation and, and, and conferring with students to draw out their knowledge and understanding. And it also involves, you know, our diagnostic testing. And that's where MAP and ISA fall into place for us. Tell us a little bit more about MAP testing. So MAP is, uh, stands for Measures of Academic Progress, and that's what it's really about. It's about growth. Um, it's about academic progress. We use it for reading and mathematics. It comes from the United States, um, from the northwestern part of the United States in Oregon, um, where I actually happened to go to graduate school. So I uh, had a lot of good interaction um, with NWEA, the organization that puts out the MAP. And basically what it is, it's, it's a multiple choice or kind of an on-screen diagnostic test and it is dynamic. So our students, um, all the way from grade three to grade 10, take this test twice a year. And as a student, when you're interfacing with the test, it changes. So no two students take exactly the same test. That's why we're careful not to call it a standardized assessment, because it's not. It's not as if everyone takes the same test. The goal of the map is to give us an indication of academic growth in those areas. Um, but th that data is only as good as the amount of focus uh, that the student may have had that day. Uh, it's only as good as how, you know, how much it matches with our internal assessment data. Um, so really what it does for us is it draws out kind of lines of inquiry for us as teachers to think about how are we best supporting students as a class, as a group, as an individual. So really for us, it's more of a guide um, to help us kind of ask the right questions about learning then it is some sort of definitive answer about how a student is growing or doing in the school. And as I said, this happens twice a year. And then, you know, over time, we're able to see kind of a bigger picture uh, in terms of how the student is growing and reading in mathematics. But, you know, back to the idea of teaching to the test. The map is very open in its questioning because it's, it exists in many, many, many countries um, and many curricula. So although, of course, there are areas of alignment with reading and mathematics with our own curricula, which comes from the um, ARO standards from the United States in English and, and uh, math at our school, and in the MYP also with an, an overlay of those objectives, there is alignment there, but it's not perfect alignment. So sometimes students get questions that, you know, they like one question on the reading was, you know, how to address a business letter. <laughs> and so I think we have to also be mindful of the assessment itself that, you know, it's it's not about teaching to the assessment. Where would that lead our students? That would lead them to a narrow set of information or understanding. Uh, and that's not really what we're trying to do. It would limit our students. So instead, what we're trying to do is just use those assessments and the data that they provide 
uh, to kind of guide our meetings, our collaboration as professionals. So primarily, the data we use is internal, although we do share with parents. And just today, we had a, a very well-attended parent workshop on this. Really, it's for us as educators to help support our decision-making around instruction and assessment in the school. How do we do on the MAP test? Great question. So the goal for us is trying to steer our parent community and to some extent our teachers as well away from the idea of uh, comparing students against norm data. Because really what it's about is about growth. That's the design of the assessment. And one thing that we talk about with parents is this idea of a snapshot versus a photo album. If you look at the photos of your child over time, some of them, they appear, you know, very well kept, well put together, um, very happy. And sometimes, I don't know about you, Kyle, but sometimes I have some photos of my child for, that they're having a tantrum. They've got spaghetti on their head. They refuse to smile. They're hiding behind my leg. You name it, right? So what we're trying to do is look at that kind of photo album of assessment data over time to create, you know, an accurate representation of every student as a learner. That said, of course, we need to be mindful of how our students do, um, not only against grade level norms with MAP and ISA, but maybe more importantly about growth. As the director of learning, one of my jobs is to do some of that comparative data analysis. What we like to do, and, and you know, we've done this for a long time, is we don't just look at a student against, say, a grade level norm or an average of all test takers. What we try to do is look at their growth over time. So for instance, the analysis this year was about students that have been here uh, that took the MAP test in spring of 2021 and students that took the MAP test in spring of 2023. So over two years, and we know those years were a little bit rocky, in all grade levels across math and reading, our students grew in a statistically significant way beyond the norm. So, you know, when we look at the overall data, we can see that for mathematics, if you add up the aggregate, we had about double the growth that you would expect for mathematics, which is great. And so, you know, back to that idea about if you're a school that you use a standardized test to determine who gets in, so you're only admitting students that do well on, on that test, then you give them standardized tests and then publicize how well they do on standardized tests, how can you say that you're adding value to the student's education? For us, the way that we try to figure out how we add value one way is through looking at how much farther do our students grow over time than the norm, than the average. Um, and the same is true with reading as well. You know, we have every grade level, um, as you might expect in a school that is English medium school that admits students with a wide range of English proficiency on admission, you would expect to see beyond the norm growth because a lot of students in the norm are native English speakers that might not experience the same level of growth over time. So that's that's a reality. But for us, we know that our students grow in a statistically significant way in every grade level in their reading. If they didn't, and in areas, you know, there are a few areas we see questions, you know, about different cohorts in the school. That's great. Like those are the areas where this data provides us with value because then we can decide, you know, how might we approach a, a specific grade level or, you know, unit of instruction to strengthen those skills. So. Um, the data, again, is really in internally very, very rich for us and very, very helpful. But of course, we want to make sure that our students are um, well positioned against you know, their peers going forward. And this might sound a little biased because I teach one grade 10 class, but I'm always very, very conscious of our grade 10 scores. I think um, being well prepared for a diploma program, which is quite rigorous and does have an external testing component, 
I think our mathematics and reading and writing are something that I pay really careful attention to. And of course, that's not just our grade 10 program. That's the whole program leading up to that point because grade 10 is where we stop MAP and ISA. So that's really the last data point we have for that cohort before they move into the diploma. So just making sure that, I mean, of course there's growth. Of course, when you look at that line graph, it's going up in a, in a slightly choppy way because growth is not linear. But what we see over time, and especially in the end, is that our students are very well prepared to make that move in terms of their literacy and their numeracy. And that's our goal. That they're more than numbers. That's exactly right. And I think our parents recognize that, but it's hard when they receive numbers about their child. It's hard because what we're saying is your student is, is a photo album. Your student is an individual. And, you know, we also know that, you know, if you look at how your child actually physically grows, it's not a linear process. You know, they have growth spurts where they make a lot of growth in a short period of time. And then they could go for months and basically be the same height and shoe size. And then suddenly their pants don't fit anymore and you've got to go to the store. It's the same with learning. You know, we see... Some students grow in, a, in an almost linear fashion in their learning, but that is not the norm. The norm is a much more uneven growth, but overall that trend line is up. And that's the key is that that growth is happening, but it doesn't happen all at once. It doesn't happen overnight. And sometimes you could go, you know, a little while and see data that would indicate not much growth. But when you zoom out from that number and see the child, you realize they're making all kinds of gains. So I think keeping the whole idea of diagnostic data in its place is really important. So as a parent, how can I see growth mm -hmm. not through test scores? Great question. So most of the assessment data that we publish through our three reports a year, most of the conversations that we have in our five conference times a year would give parents a rich understanding of how their children are doing in a broad range of subjects. So as a parent, I would pay much, much more attention to, to report card comments, to marks in report cards against grade level standards, to conversations with teachers about how the social and emotional learning is going. That's how you know. You know anecdotally as a parent because the conversations you have with your child over time change, become much more interesting and sophisticated. But I would say, you know, keep MAP and ISA in its place as something that you are monitoring because we are publishing that data and it's important to track. But also consider all the internal assessment data that your child is receiving from when they're in great, you know, pre-K and they're building a portfolio and it's on Seesaw and you're seeing the things they're doing and how they're talking about it. And then they begin to write about that. And then they begin to put together understanding around content. And then you're, you know, you're in parent workshops and you're seeing them do it in the classroom. And you go, wow, it's feel that pride because you see their growth. I think that's real. Everything else is just a, a one component of the bigger picture.